Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. From the world's first officially recognised sim racing group, it's the Tora Radio Show. Hello everybody and welcome to your weekly fix of sim racing and esports and general tomfoolery uh, here at the Online Racing Association. Brilliant. <laughs> As a slight segue, I was listening to some of our older shows on uh, Spotify because guess what people, you could listen to our show on Spotify now. And I was trying to work out, trying to work out how soon it was we did a show before we went off off record, off off track. And I think I think it was about five seconds. Uh, anyway, introducing uh, the people who who are just to let you know what we're all expecting. Yeah. <laughs> Setting us up for a fall. Uh, you've heard him already. He's still well. He's he's in isolation somewhere in the mid Atlantic because he's not allowed in in American airspace. Uh, Mr. Jordan Grove. Hello, everybody. <laughs> And someone who's in American Air, well, uh, Mr. Ben Williams. I officially have cabin fever. <laughs> You're at least over where you live, it's log cabin fever, isn't it? Matt, where do you think I live? The Pacific Northwest? <laughs> <laughs> and special guest, we haven't spoken to him for a very long time, so we are very pleased to welcome back Mr. Scott Woodwiss. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's great to be back on Tora, and it's great to be, uh, for the first time, I think, on Radio Le Mans, which is quite a privilege, so... Thank you to everyone. Good to be back. And yeah, it's good to talk about some sim racing because obviously it's, given the current situation, quite the flavour of the month at the moment. I think that's quite an understatement and it will be for for the foreseeable future until this is all over. I think it is basically the flavour full stop, isn't it? Your favourite flavour. You're into into an Italian ice cream store, if you're allowed into an Italian ice cream store, and the flavours are vanilla, 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 vanilla or vanilla. It is. It is. It's. It's. It's pretty much. And I want to make a, a small point here. I see some people who are kind of like the traditional racing fans, who look at it and go, "Oh, well, I don't want to watch esports because because uh, it's not really real racing." And my sort of thought is, well, you've either got two options. You can look at things through rose tinted glasses. You can watch all the historic stuff, which I think most of us racing fans do anyway, mm. and that's it. Or you can embrace something new, and you can actually watch the esports stuff where you've got a lot of real drivers taking part. Because truthfully, if you want your fix of racing in terms of new stuff. You've either got nothing, or you've got esports. So you kind of haven't really got a choice, really. So I think, but it's good to see there's more real pro drivers and more uh, people who are transitioning across as a result of that. In terms of traditional racing fans taking a look at it, and some are open to it, and some enjoy the kind of racing it provides, and others may need a bit more convincing. But I think as the weeks go on and more and more events go on, there'll be more chance for people to have a proper look at it and hopefully embrace it a bit more. Something that I've noticed is that people are getting really excited for all this sim racing stuff, and I'm like, Man. hello, we've been here for a while. <laughs> There's been multiple championships held on iRacing. We hosted the official British GT esports for six years? Mm. Coming up. It's like, for some people, we're kind of like... We were the cool kids before it was cool in terms of we were with sim we, we were with sim yeah. racing before it went mainstream. Scott, so did you we... just call us sim racing hipsters? <laughs> I was about I did, to I say, say the, the same word. Thing. I didn't say the word. I said that we were I said that we were around with sim racing when it was cool before it was cool. I didn't say <laughs> the word. I, I do more than you do. We could do, do. the yeah. the thing I've no the thing I've noticed, um, guys, and when I've seen. 
because I've also noticed a lot of people have put like polls on Twitter. Oh, are you looking forward to, I don't know, you know, the red line racing stuff? Uh, or do you want to go in your potting shed or something like that? You know, and the comments, it's very interesting to to look at the sort of people who are posting comments. Oh, I can think of much better things I'd rather do than watch that. And it is quite an interesting demographic split as well. Because um, a bit like you said, Scott, you know, you've got the traditionalists, if you will. And the thing mm. is, our, our, I, I, I'll collectively say our generation, in terms of our generation who, who are, are very au fait with all this sim racing stuff, who grew up with the likes of, you know, the Cygnosis F1 games, Toka uh, games and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I appreciate Jordan was barely born, but we won't mention go into that. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. No, <laughs> but, but I've still uh, played them. But because we're the generation, because no, no. we're the generation that grew up with all these titles, we we kind of accept it as this is perfectly legitimate entertainment to us. Whereas older generations probably, I won't I won't say you know I'm not going to broad brush that because that's not entirely fair. Portions of older generations probably yeah. don't appreciate it necessarily to the same degree and then the younger generation this is second nature to them this is this is entertainment to them going out to a race circuit is probably second on the list in comparison to doing it on computers would we say that's fair i'm not going to get too philosophical about this but this is kind of what i think of whenever we have this discussion about anything of our generation is that um the People born in like the late 80s, early 90s, around in that area are sometimes referred to in scholarly circles as digital natives. Uh, we've been using computers since we were kids. We've had cell phones since we were in our teens. It's second nature to us to look to the internet for entertainment. Mm. So it's not, like Matt said, it's not a foreign idea for us. It's just kind of makes sense. And it's the generations that didn't grow up with that that are struggling to kind of see that but uh, you know as a student of history that's what my degree is in history shows this pattern of technology advancing in previous generations not sh um sure how to accept it not willing to accept it it's going from radio to television it was the same thing introducing radio was the same thing telegraph the printing press i can keep going back in history and it the it's basic human nature to not understand and to fear the unknown. And I realized I said I wasn't going to go feel fully <laughs> philosophical, but I went straight there. To kind of continue on from that, to kind of make some kind of a point from what I'm going to try and say, is there will come a point in the future, obviously, when the next thing from sim race, the next sort of evolution, the next thing, is going to be, I think those who welcome it will embrace it and others will become... That, that select number of people who don't want to embrace it because it's something new and i have to applaud people like who are within the industry who are people like the broadcasters for example you know for the for the i racing the proper esports nascar promotion races you had mike joy and jeff gordon doing the commentary for the indycar race you had the full team of lee diffie and townsend bell and paul tracy um, i have to commend radio Le Mans for um putting their voices up and having you know, Hindy and Nick Damon involved with the IMSA broadcast as well. 
And also as well, we had the, the SRO eSports race and that had David mm. Addison on it. Even David Addison said that it's not something he'd ever done before. But he already said, looking at it, he was so absorbed and so convinced by how real and how uh, sort of engrossing the whole experience of a set of course of competency only was with the sounds and the size that he, he said, and I quote, he said, I'm sold. And so it's great that people who've been around in the industry for that long, who are actually getting involved in this side of things, that she's showcasing their talents as broadcasters or commentators or whatever role they have. I mean, even go as far as those who are taking it seriously. I mean, BMW even put a whole team of engineers on creating setups for their guys like Bruno Spengler for the for the M8 in iRacing, just so they can have the best setup possible. But no doubt they probably used real-life data from when they raced at Sebring to give them pretty much the best setup possible so they could go out there and, and win the IMSA race. And that's how seriously some of these teams are taking it. So I, I think in terms of embracing it, I think people in many cases, I don't want to say that they're forced to, but they've kind of at least got to give it a chance to actually consider it because for the foreseeable future, whether we like it or not, there's a current situation means that for the next few months, as much as we want it to, there's not going to be any racing on track. Obviously, the sooner we get it on track, the better, because, of course, mm. people want to get back to seeing capture cars on track. But I think this is a suitable enough alternative because you've got plenty of drivers who are starting to come into it. And there's a point I want to make later about drivers when we get onto it a little bit later about how this could possibly be a potential sort of further career route for them. But it's interesting how you get some of the drivers like Lando Norris and Max Verstappen who have been driving these sims already and they're instantly starting to get on board with it and i know even for example there was a, a team redline race i think it was on monday and it featured a certain mr jensen button who mm. has built himself a rig and he was racing an f3 car at road america in i racing now granted he was towards the back but it's because it's a world that he's not used to if you stuck him in a formula one car against anyone else yeah he'd probably be pretty half decent I mean, he's a world champion but put him in a sim for the first time in a nice way there are going to be plenty of people in the field who've raced it for several months or years or however long that are going to be faster than him but that's no discredit to Jensen so esports and sim racing will find itself in a different position mm. what kind of position that is we don't know but end of the day I think it's hopefully going to be a positive coming out of it is that there'll be more eyes onto it and hopefully more drivers will start to embrace it you mentioned the NASCAR series and I remember this halfway through what you were talking about Scott was that there was a tweet on when was this Monday Tuesday excuse me on Tuesday that said that the eNASCAR series had viewership up over a million it was the, the telecast was the highest rate in the most watched sportscast of last weekend so we're all well over a million i mean i think when i'm talking to uh, john last week on on midweek motorsport I sort of implied that you have a certain element of willing suspension of disbelief i think the phrase is mm-hmm. and this is why i sort of said you know for the guys who participate in it physics is greater than graphics but for those for those who are purely spectating, graphics is greater than physics because they want something that looks the part. And part of that is having the whole presentation that they're used to, be it uh, a Fox presentation for NASCAR, you know, an IMSA presentation for, well, IMSA. And it and it does make a big difference. It, it gives it an air, an extra air of legitimacy when you've got names that, you know, what are household names presenting a series which nobody nobody outside of those like that you know like us who would have been, who have enjoyed uh, a set of course of uh, competizioni would necessarily appreciate but for people to be able to watch it with the correct camera angles with you know the, uh, a commentary team which is let's face it 50% what they would be used to in uh, in real life it may, makes it 
perfectly viewable for absolutely anyone to sit down and watch on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Jordan, we have to jump to you in, as we're talking about this and talk about the uh, IndyCar race uh, that happened over the weekend because that was the f- their first one. I think it would be correct in saying it was at Watkins Glen. It was indeed. Yeah, um, the first ever esports kind of official event for IndyCar, obviously following in the wake of, as we've already discussed, uh, F1, NASCAR, all, all of them are doing their own esports championships at the moment. Uh, they're doing their own one on iRacing. And as you mentioned, it was at Watkins Glen. Just to briefly recap what happened, uh, Sage Caram, who usually drives for Drea and Reinbold Racing, took pole position and ended up basically dominating the entire race. That said, he did only win by three seconds over Felix Rosenqvist, but it's them two have probably got some of the most experience of anyone on the IndyCar field of iRacing, then it, it kind of showed. Yeah, you had a little bit of chaos because a lot of the drivers have never done any kind of esports racing. We've seen that kind of across the board, really, where some drivers are taking to it, like Ducks to Water, and others are um, sinking. Um, other people who were in the race, um, you had the likes of Joseph Newgarden, Simon Paginot, the champion and Indy 500 oh, champions from last yeah. year. You had Jimmy Johnson come in. Um, obviously, he's looking at potentially moving to IndyCar in the future once he retires from NASCAR. He was there. Scott Speed was there. Uh, there was a rather hilarious demonstration of the commentator's curse, if you were watching, where they were complimenting him on his driving and he immediately um, crashed. But yeah, it was very successful, I would say. Uh, it had it was streamed on YouTube. I can't remember exactly what the viewers were in my head right now, in the, in the several hundred thousands anyway. And such was the success that it's now being picked up for the second race by NBC. So it will be broadcast on uh, television in the United States. I, I know some other people sharing the same sentiment as me is it, it looked real at some mm. points. I know we're used to it, so we can tell rather quickly that what is a sim and what isn't. But as we were alluding to earlier, having the whole commentary team there, having all the graphics and everything, um, all the overlays it, it genuinely for, for a moment if you if you just stepped back for a moment you would think you were watching the real racing it definitely helped that iRacing had that update about the IndyCar aero screen last week as well mm. oh, I didn't even mention that yes of course yeah, yeah we, I've been uh, waxing lyrical about this recently saying how I couldn't wait for the uh, IndyCar to bring in the aero screen and uh, sure enough, a couple of days before the event, they um, updated their IndyCar to include it. I think actually what this might do, actually, this might be a nice exercise in terms of IndyCars, is what it might do is it will start to get fans used to seeing the IndyCars with the aero screen setup now. Because prior to this, you might have only seen pictures of the car being tested on Oval or when they were testing a couple of months ago at uh, Circuit of the Americas. But what was interesting is that you can actually see the cars, albeit in a, in a sit in eSports situation but seeing them with the aero screen even get to see the onboards so you can see effectively what the driver would see or what the, what the, uh, the camera would see and actually looking at it initially i thought that the angle of the aero screen it looked okay at certain angles but now i've seen it it's kind of like the halo for me in formula one i think that the aero screen really does suit the car now mm. it does actually make it look uh, really good in fact when you, when you go on board in terms of you're driving it in iRacing from the driver's point of view it actually makes it feel like you're actually in like a clo- enclosed almost like a LMP LMP type car, which I think is quite a cool experience, and there's something about it. It's just it's just in heart to look at it, which is really good. You could tell it was an authentic NBC broadcast because you did have every time there was a spin of an incident, you'd always get Townsend Bell and Lee Diffie and Portrace all go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was 100 percent authentic. <laughs> 
case in point when Pato Awards fun, I was waiting for it. There was a bit of delay, two, three seconds. All of a sudden, I thought, they're not going to say it. Oh, yes, they did. There right. it is. <laughs> there it is. Right. Oh, again, one final thing I should also mention as well, which I'm surprised we didn't mention it yet, is that um, the race did also feature a certain Scott McLaughlin, who actually did really well. He actually finished fourth. And I, I watched the majority of the race actually from his onboard stream on Twitch. And actually, he was adapted to it really well and he was chasing down Oliver Askew in the last few laps but to get P4 he's an established sort of sim racer to a certain extent anyway because he's been on iRacing before and he's also taking part in the uh, supercars one where you've got all the drivers taking part like you had with for the most part with the IndyCar race so maybe that could be a bit of a sort of an insight into how he copes with at least in an esports aspect he copes with an indie car or a single seater car like that so well yeah he was he was really quick in kota testing a couple of months ago he, he was mm. i think he was around fourth or fifth fastest then as well if memory serves he was another one who demonstrated his eye racing history if you like he, he that overtake he pulled off on Askew in the final few laps was brilliant yeah that's something i've noticed throughout all of these various eye racing events is that the people who have been using the particular title they're using pretty much iRacing is pretty much the most popular one. So I'm just going to say that if they have prior experience of iRacing, then they're going to be doing well because yes. you had William Byron, who was famous for doing iRacing and then going into real racing about to win the race. And then Tim Hill, or are, are, are we required by law to call him the intimidator now? That is that is law. Yeah, that is law okay. now. The intimidator, who is also has experience with eye racing, who's been doing really well in the NASCAR series, you, you can definitely tell that people who have experience with eye racing or with the F1 games are going to be doing really well in all of these celebrity replacements for real world events that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. Let's just quickly rattle through a couple of extra little bits of um, news that we can get onto some more discussion points. R Factor 2, uh, they bring an updated version of the Nürburgring, um, which sounds pretty cool. I think they're having another, a couple of other like, support race length circuits added into it, which would be quite interesting. Uh, they've also announced the renovation of Silverstone and the imminent arrival of Portland. I don't know how many people are excited about that. Are you any... I love that track. I love I- that I'm place. I'm sure... I'm sure Mikey will be very excited about that. Yeah, that's it's uh, tra- it's synonymous with IndyCar. Um, uh, I'm yeah, sure you would it, know it, it if you saw some it's, laps. It's amazing. Small little detail that came out in a Q&A that McNeil did um, a few days ago. Sort of maybe just dropped the minor bombshell that there's going to be a BTCC game coming in 2021 with the beta coming out towards the end of this year. Nothing major. Nothing you know. major. Nothing with the, nothing. Nothing that we've been wishing for for years. No, and allegedly <laughs> Not like also, we're excited. And allegedly also including the support series. I mean, there. I mean, I'd love to know which developers got this because that is a lot mm. of licenses. I can mm. only assume it starts with a C and ends in an Ode Masters, but <laughs> that was my thought. Yeah, <laughs> that would be my thought as well. Yeah. But yeah, the, they're the, the kind of ones we've all been suggesting, isn't it? That we'd be well, because they're also the perhaps the realistically they're probably also the only developer that actually has the ability to put it across all platforms successfully. Mm. Because if, well... if there's one thing, well, no, because if there's one thing this game does not need, it does not need to be on PC first with a really unpleasant 
console port done six months down the line. They did just buy the company who's famous for doing that. Yeah, yes. so at least that means that company won't be doing it. No, no, but, no <laughs> but what they do have from that company is a hell of a lot of licenses for the other MSV circuits, which Codemasters didn't already have. This is also true. Which gives them the entire I, calendar. My my thought would be, my question would be, is what kind of route are they going to take? Are they going to take it the route of F one the F one games and like the and the Dirt series? Or are they going to take it the grid route? Because truthfully. I know there's some people who like grid, but truthfully, I prefer they took it the more sort of F1 slash oh. the dirt rally route in terms of how it feels and bits and pieces. Because oh, I know that it, it yeah. seems like because it's going to be just because I missed the announcement. Did he say it's it is a BTCC game? Like it's an officially licensed game? Is yes. That, okay, we're looking at their officially licensed games F1 and Dirt because it had that tie in with the Royal mm. Rally Cross. You can. I would assume that this game would go in that same vein. I mean, where there's a lot of speculation to be had around it, but if if oh, it's a hundred percent speculation yeah, yeah. at this point, if, isn't it? Yeah. If if, <laughs> if it were to be, if it were to be done by Codemasters, and if it were done down the the uh, Dirt Rally and uh, F1 route, which we all very much hope, because if it is a title that does actually include, if not all, but most of their support series. There is a very real possibility of building a proper career mode within such a game where you start <laughs> off in, for instance, Janetta Juniors, work your way up through the G55s, maybe do a bit of Porsche Carrera Cup, and then all of a sudden, woe and behold, you end up in a at the back of the grid in a... I can't name a team because I'll insult someone, you know, in a car in, on the BTCC grid and then work your way through the BTCC field. That would be quite awesome. I mean, if 704 can pull that off with the NASCAR game, I think yeah. Codemasters will be able to do that pretty effectively. And I have to say, in all fairness, NASCAR Heat 4, I really, I'm really enjoying it, and, I, and the career mode still befuddles me a little bit, but it is a very good game, and I do enjoy it. I'll second that. I, I, I played Trial, because they did recently a, a trial weekend where you could play it for free over a weekend, so I did that, and I got as far as about midway through the truck season, but even then, just driving the the, the modified sort of uh, extreme dirt series he did first of all that's not a championship which I've followed at all or even I mm. knew about it loosely but I followed it even even for the short races I really enjoyed driving those cars because you were pretty much for the most part sideways in every single corner and it was just really fun to drive and I have to agree the career aspect of being able to build up your team in terms of increasing their potency and working on suspension or aerodynamics or the engine etc and you could build those up you could build their skill sets up or you could build how much they could improve the, the the truck too and you could have separate trucks for different different types of courses you could have a uh, a truck set up for road course and a truck set up for super speedways and a truck set up for short tracks and that's quite how they obviously how they would do it in real life so i think it'd be nice to have those elements i think also as well if they was able to put in something of an expanded kind of version of or elements of the f1 2019's sort of beginning of career mode with the story of your sort of two rivals if they could expand that and maybe go into something more of a uh, like toka the, the first sort of toka race driver one where they had the sort of the, the ryan mccain sort of story mode but not have it as cheesy have it like a proper <laughs> Proper story mode. It didn't. Which ha- is In fairness, it didn't help that they also had. They also picked what was possibly the worst BTC season on record. That Who was f- that, that. That was that, that was the season when they thought, right, we've got nine touring cars. How do we pull the grid? I know. We'll put those in production cars at the back. And, it was and, just, uh, and not feature those in the game. 
Who thought three Daglo <laughs> Peugeots were a good idea? Oh, and two Alfa Romeos that broke down all the time. Automobile, automobile, there's a new game out, Jordan. Automobilista. <laughs> Automobilista 2, yes, we well go. pronounced, Matthew. <laughs> well, it's, the, it's, um, it's the early access, isn't it? Is that, it is, is that, the early access, yes. Is that, so, the one, um, is that the one that has the Brazilian stock cars in it? I'll let you know in a moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes, so after some the last month in beta period, we've uh, got the uh, release of Automobilista 2 into early access. We didn't manage to pick it up on any of our prior shows because the announcement came about a week ago that due to the whole situation at the moment, uh, the uh, team over at Riser Studios or Reza Studios weren't able to make their uh, deadline for the 31st of March um, for a full release. So they've done the smart thing. They've brought it out for an early access and they've reduced the price by 40% for this period as well. Having said that, I've been uh, playing it for the last couple of days and it is, you wouldn't really know it was an early access release, to be honest. It is astonishing. Um, so for those of you who don't know, this is the um, sequel to Automobilista 1, unsurprisingly, not using the Xbox numbering system. Risa Studios, yes, they are based out of Brazil, and it's a game that's very influenced by Brazilian motorsports. So you've got a load of Brazilian racetracks, some of which I simply will not be able to pronounce. (laughs) Uh, But you've got the likes of Interlagos, and that's the only one I can do. Uh, Santa Cruz, there you go, that's another one. Um, Curitiba is another one. Uh, For the sequel of the game, they have used the uh, Madness engine, which is famous from Project Cars 2. Thankfully, you previous listeners of the show will know we're not particular fans of project cars 2 thankfully all they've really taken from the game are the graphics which let's face it was probably the only really foolproof thing about project cars 2 um other than that it's it's got a, an astonishing track list of stuff you, you've got adelaide including the historic version from 1988 you've got british tracks like cadwell donnington snetterton alton um, I'll get onto Silverstone in a moment because that's coming down the line. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really it's the historic tracks on this game which have got me the most um, impressed. Really, you've got about seven different versions of Imola. Um, you've got historic Kyle Army uh, from 1976, but not the current one. The Osterreich Ring. It's it's just it's such an eclectic mix of tracks, and then you've got the you've got the car list as well, which has got everything from uh, racing trucks. Um, rental carts, you've got V10 Formula 1 cars, V12 Formula 1 cars, you've got caterums here, there and everywhere it, It's if you think about the stuff that we've said before um, when we've been requesting what certain cars and tracks have come to Sims and you've thought uh, it's a bit too niche to go into this game, this game's probably got it it's it's such a weird mix of cars and tracks it, it's definitely worth picking up at the moment and as i said it's in it's 40 percent off at the moment because it's in early access so it's about 24 pounds definitely worth it if you liked automobilista one you'll like this it's got better graphics it's got virtually the same handling and everything is it it's definitely worth picking up and if you haven't played automobilista before but buy it anyway because it is just genuinely it's it's got something for everyone including the stuff you didn't know you wanted <laughs> The rental cards, man. That's the most fun I've had so far. <laughs> I quite, I quite like the fact that there's different. You get into the F1 cars, and there's pretty much from going back to kind of the late 60s, early 70s, all the way up to a current sort of 2020 sort of F1 car. There's different levels. Even if you get into like the 90s form of the one cars, it says like there's like Model A and Model B or Model C. So if you kind of different, it's like 
six or seven different generations of F1 car, but each generation's got like two or three different cars that you can pick from, which is excellent. And you've got existing cars that have carried over um, the Formula V12, which is pretty much a nice 95 Ferrari F1 car with one of the highest revving, best sounding and highest revving V12 F1 engines I've ever heard yeah. um, is in there. Um, I'm also quite fond of the fact they've got pretty much the entire roster of what you call the factory Caterham championships because i'm quite a self-confessed caterham racing fan and they've got pretty much the whole thing from the academy spec car all the way up to uh it's what well, it's 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 called the 420r but they've recently had the, that championship rebranded so it's now got in real life uk's that are national states which is quite cool that happened pretty much just at the beginning of this just before this whole situation took place I've been watching a couple of people who have um, had the sort of the game or, or the beta access to look at it. And I was watching a stream last, um, at the time I recorded last night from Sim Racing Paddock, who's, who was playing the early access. And he something he remarked about the force feedback is that he's, he, he was driving Brazilian stock cars around Donington. And he was completely blown away by how much the force feedback had changed from the previous build he, he played. And he said it, if it's, I'll try, if hopefully this, this makes sense, I'm trying to quote directly from him, but he was saying that the way the force feedback felt, it felt so you could actually feel exactly what was coming through the steering rack, in terms of how, in terms of how detailed the, the, the force feedback was, and the feeling that you got through the wheel in terms of what the car was doing and what the suspension was doing, and it was that detailed of force feedback. But I have to say, it, it, it looks brilliant, and I have to agree in terms of they've taken, I think, the best bits of the Madness engine, which because they've also taken the weather engine as well, they've taken the weather engine and, and the, the, the graphics in some cases project cars too but with a slightly different content set and arguably better physics mm. um and it's interesting how they've probably taken over lessons they learned from when they did all their work on automobilista one which was done on the older r factor one engine uh where they've now changed to a different one where they've obviously now taken whatever they've learned to make the physics work really well on that on that engine they transferred it across and then done even more work to improve it further so i think actually automobilista two could be the perfect storm of all the kind of elements that you want again that looks as superb as project cars too graphically but plays really well like a, a, a proper pc racing sim should so i quite like it and i think the moment i get myself a proper pc or sim rig i think it's definitely going to be one of if not the first sim i pick up because i have to admit I, I i'm quite partial to how it looks and it does look pretty ex- exciting quickly moving on to another um real world series gone sim racing i keep, I keep wanting to call them v8 supercars not v8 supercars it was just no, it's just supercars super now. Even despite the fact yeah. that they're all that every single car in that championship still has a V8 in it, yeah. you can't call it V8 supercars anymore. No. So, so supercars, uh, yes, ha- have launched the BP Supercars All Stars E Series. There's too many alliterative words in there, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, but because whilst there's no obviously uh, actual supercar action until at least June, um, a good portion of the supercar. Uh, fraternity will be racing uh, in their esports series uh, on iRacing uh, uh, starting with 10 rounds starting from April 8th. There is going to be a proper champion for this as well so there's a good opportunity for SVG or something like that to actually get two championships in one. Um, The action is going to be broadcast on Fox Sports Kayo, whatever that is, supercars.com and various social channels game stream and uh, game streaming service twitch they've given the dates for the schedule uh for for when things are going to be but not anything else i think they're trying to keep it so that drivers can't constantly test too much on the various tracks they've all they've announced that the racing that takes place uh, on the 8th of april is coming from philip island and monza that would be a logistical nightmare wouldn't it 
<laughs> things you can only do on sim racing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is something we will come to a discussion point. Thank you ever so much, everyone who is posting uh, conversation points and questions in the uh, midweek motorsport listeners collective. Uh, please keep doing that. We are trying to sort of pick those up as and when we can. Uh, please also feel free to tweet us at the real underscore Torah uh, so that we can uh, pick up on your points, either answer you via that or certain, most certainly we will uh, try and pick up uh, your questions and answer them uh, on the show. I'll just go through the list of drivers for the super uh, the supercars. But you've got Bryce, uh, Bryce, uh, Bryce Forward, Macaulay Jones, Jack Smith, uh, Lee Holdsworth, Cameron Waters, Andre uh, Heimgartner, Nick Perkat. Uh, David Reynolds, Fabian Coulter. I can't say, I have to say Fabian Coulter, because that's how it is when I hear it in Australia. <laughs> uh, Todd Hazelwood, Rick Kelly, uh, Scott McLaughlin, Mark Winterbottom, yay. Alex Davison, Scott Pye, uh, Chris Pither, Will Davison, Chaz Mostert, Zane Goddard, Jake Kostecki, uh, Gary Jacobson, uh, Jack LeBrock, Jamie Wincup. And this is the big names, Jamie Wincup, Shane Van Gisbergen, and, and um, also Anton de Pascal. And also recently announced a certain Mr. Ash Sutton, uh, who is no stranger to iRacing. He's no stranger to sim racing because he raced with us at Tora for a very long time. And I do believe he actually did test uh, a supercar not that long ago as well. So that'll be fun, a lot of fun for him. Yes, that, that's <clears> something also that I'll be interested to see if this starts happening where we start seeing people jumping outside of their typical motorsports. So we had Scotty, Scott McGonquin in IndyCar. Jimmy Johnson was in there too. Um, Ash is jumping over supercars. Does that mean that we could end up seeing like Ash in the NASCAR series? Um, Scotty jump, jumping over to doing some IMSA stuff. What if they do more on iRacing? It, it, that's the, the beauty of sim racing is that you can pretty much drive whatever you want it's like the good old days of motorsport where you used to get like you know sterling moss or someone would jump out of their formula one car grand prix car such as it was back in the day mm -hmm. then jump into a sports car and do a thousand kilometer race you know or they jump into an f3 car and then jump into something else and you know pe people seemed a lot freer to do far different wider range of uh, of types of motorsport and that Certainly, from a sim racing standpoint, certainly seems to be the case now. Mm -hmm. be re what will be really, really interesting, and perhaps this is something we can sort of um, uh, start the discussion now and hopefully finish it on um, throughout future shows, is as this area of um, motorsport of motorsport in inverted commas gets more noticeable and significantly larger and more recognised by the wider motorsport community is just how contractually um, these drivers are going to be treated when it comes to their um, eSports racing activities. Because obviously, as we said with Sebring, um, you had the BMW, you know, the, the real BMW racers racing their car, the M8, uh, at Sebring just virtually. At the minute, I'm guessing there's no harm in them jumping into something else on another, on another stream, on another series, in a completely different car that's not a BMW. But could we see down the line that driver contracts and whatnot changing to say, no, if you are going to do sim racing, you have to race the cars that you would be racing in real life and nothing else? I don't want that to happen. No. Because that, that would just kind of ruin the show for everyone else. But do I expect that to happen? Fully. It may, I think it would be in manufacturer's best interest to 
tell their factory drivers that they can pretty much drive wherever they want. But will they? Again, probably not. It's an interesting point because if you look at some drivers who have been taking part recently, but even you know, the team red line races where you've got I think 95% of the field that are taking part in those races are pro drivers. Mm. And some of the top drivers that have been doing a lot of it recently, you've got guys like Philip Egg, who's a, who's a BMW driver, but he was taking part in the F1 Virtual Esports Series in a Red Bull. And maybe that might be because he had some loose connections to the fact he used to be a Red Bull junior, so maybe there's a loose connection there and it possibly worked. But at the same time, you've got Stoffel Van Dorn, but then again, you look at him doing some of the esports stuff, not so much things like maybe the red line stuff and anything else, but predominantly when he is doing the esports for the like the, 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 the races, not the whatever Grand Prix it is or the F1 virtual esports series, he is predominantly sticking to Mercedes because he is a Mercedes test and, um, and a test and reserve driver. Same with someone like Esteban Gutierrez. So, and you also have others, for example, like we had the SR esports race and we had two drivers in that race where that were two sim races, David Tanitza and Enzo Benito. And for obvious reasons, I guess, because it was available, they were part, they're both part of the Ferrari driver Academy. Enzo's signed recently and David Tanitza is the reigning F1 esports champion. Um, but they both drove Ferraris. So it, it, it's, I, I agree. It's one of those situations where it is temporary where, and there'd be nothing written into any driver's contracts that says, if you're going to do any esports events, you can't race another car. For example, unless there's something in there that says if you're doing any sort of motorsport related activities where possible or you must run in something that is effectively either in the same color scheme of mercedes for example softball van dorn mercedes amg f1 petronas f1 or uh, you have to race in a mercedes whatever you're doing here's an interesting point really the main thing is going to be obviously this is all we've got at the moment in terms of race this is any way racing drivers can keep their hand in and keep themselves match fit when we get back to real to real circuit racing i guess it'll depend on how much how prominent is esports at this current level still going to be i'd like to think hopefully it still will be um but it will depend on when you, when we do it if there are going to be clauses that come in so for example philip eng if he is going to be on your races the bmw stressed to him right well you can do sports racing but you are locked in to driving in series where you can drive a bmw and you have to run this particular livery with the sponsors so it's an interesting point, but at the same time, you'd like to hope that they were a bit more relaxed. I mean, you look at the drivers back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s who, you know, they, for example, they would race an F1, but then they'd go and race a touring car for a completely different manufacturer and no one had an issue with it. So, but of course, we're now 30, 40 years down the line from that and times have changed and people are more conscious about brand awareness and kind of sticking to companies and making sure people are promoting the right thing. So, Again, I, I, I have the same opinion. I hope it doesn't get that extreme, but at the same time, I can possibly think it's something of inevitability, particularly with manufacturers who will want to keep their brand continuity and not have people confused and thinking, well, if he's a BMW driver or a Mercedes driver or a Porsche driver, why is he driving a Ferrari or a Corvette or something else? Mm-hmm. I, I can understand it, but at the same time, I hope it's not that extreme that people literally are physically restricted to what they can and can't race based on who they're, who they're tied to. One of the one of the benefits of having been doing this for quite so long is a lot of people seem to think that that I know quite a bit about it, and you get to have conversations with people you'd never think to have conversations with before. And I, you know, and it's been nice because I've had I've had, and I'm not going to say who they are because that's not fair. Um, it's been very interesting to be approached by um, manufacturers who haven't 
had an esports presence before, and they they want to not just dip their toe in the water. They really want to do it and do it properly and do it to as high a standard as the, as their real world activities. And when you look at, as an example, the F1 esports um, elements, you know you've got guys who are classed as you know racers for all the um, F1 teams. But what act, but what actual activation is that for them as people? Aside as aside from being able to say that that's what they do, can do and that's what they do, what extra value does it bring those teams? at the moment and what do you do with it you know it, it's not because because it's not particularly necessarily like a driving academy it's you know that it doesn't seem to seem to be the case in all in all aspects and it'll just be really interesting to see moving forward with a lot more manufacturers and you know established uh, teams across the world taking this more seriously whether as you rightly say whether this continues or whether it's literally just a, well, this kept us busy for a few months while we couldn't go onto a real circuit. Ah, well, we'll just forget about that now. And I genuinely don't think that that's going to be the case. Jordan, we really must talk about um, your recent activities over the last couple of days because this is this is uh, very important. Yes. So uh, one person, if you've been watching all of the various esports racing that's been going on, one person that you might have seen who's been doing quite a lot of it is the uh, YouTuber Jimmy Broadbent. He is fantastic. He's he's really been getting quite popular in the last few months, so you can easily see why. Um, mm. But what he has done in in order to kind of um, give back in the sense that esports have been going mad over the last few few weeks, so he wants to use the platform to do some good, is he has organised a charity race. Now, by the time that you guys hear this, that charity race will have happened, but you can still go and donate. So it's all being uh, run in support of the Trussell Trust which are a uh, group working to end the need for food banks in the UK. So it's quite a topical thing at the moment. It's a very good cause. Um, as, as of the time right now, we haven't had the race and we've already raised uh, £4,000, which is insane. And I say we because somehow I'm on the grid. Um, so um, in, by the time you hear this, I will either be weeping or I will be um, quite happy with how I have done or weeping because I've been punterinoed but um, there's quite a lot of people who are taking part uh, you've got a lot of uh, racing drivers such as uh, David Perrell, uh, Philip Eng, Bruno Spengler, uh, Florian Strauss uh, you've got YouTubers such as you know the aforementioned Broadbent you've got Super, Super GT, Tiamat Marduk um, who else who else who else uh, Quirk that, uh... from Twitch as well if anybody knows them yeah I, I know that um Jimmy's commentating partner from the FI Grand Turismo, Mr. Tom Brooks, is also taking part as well. I was actually watching some of his practice stream earlier on, and Tom was in there along with um, his two drivers. Because I, I think in Jimmy's team, he's got uh, two GT Academy uh, graduates in Florian Strauss and Wolfgang Wright, both of which you'll know again from his time doing work in Grand Turismo. So I think for looking at it, he's done a pretty good lineup. And it's not the first charity stream he's done because he has done. Um, it was a 20, I think it was a 25, no, 23. It was supposed to be a 24 hour race, but it actually turned out to be a 23 hour race, which was yes. uh, GT1 cars, I think, and GT, I think it was just GT1 cars, I think, or something else at, at um, Zolder, and that was for the mine charity. So he has done That's it. The one. They raised quite a lot of money. So Jimmy, for, Jimmy's one of those people who he can use his 
pulling power in terms of his audience for a very good cause. I think that pulling power has only been enhanced by the fact that he's done a lot, quite a lot of these uh, esports sort of pro race, etc. And actually held his own very well, Trigger. I think for the most part, I think Jimmy's a quicker driver than sometimes even he thinks or sometimes lets on. I think that he surprises even himself sometimes. Okay, we'll make sure to tweet out the link as many times as possible. Uh, it's more of a discussion point that cropped up when we were talking on the collective. Um, particularly when it... And this is the subject. This is quite an interesting subject. It's a subject that I, um, I'm quite interested in as regards esports racing liveries. Because um, I think, firstly, um, Andy Blackmore um, did an amazing job transposing the Turner Motorsports uh, liveries onto the M8s for in, mm-hmm. uh, for Sebring. I believe those are actually available uh, for all. I on, think they are on um, iRacing. Trading paints. I, I have yeah. tra- I have trading paints. I need to actually go and download them because um, I really, 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 really want them. Uh, we are going to try. No pressure, Andy. We are going to try and get Andy Blackmore on the show, uh, either on the uh, UK or the US one um in the not too distant future to talk about um his uh, livery design and his process and hopefully inspire uh, some more people to uh, get painting in their various uh, sims that they use mm-hmm. but so the question which came the, the the sort of discussion point that came from uh, Ian Keyworth uh, the other week uh whether it opened up the opportunity for cigarette advertising to return as as it's technically not sports advertising now, this is an interesting one. Now, Ben, yeah. if, Ben, if you want to just quickly highlight very briefly um, what the rules are as regards Tora and uh, Livery. Yeah. So since Tora has been a um, Motorsports UK recognized club for the past six, seven years now? No, mm-hmm. ten. we're almost on 10 years now, aren't we? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, okay. Years. Basically... Um, because Tora is a recognized club, we have to um, observe the Motorsports UK rules and regulations as far as deliveries. That goes in hand-to-hand with them banning all tobacco sponsorships. So that's something that we don't allow on our site. And um, there's been some discussion lately of whether that, that includes um, e-cigarettes and things like that, which we kind of... You know, you can read the rules in certain ways to kind of allow that certain thing. But I think where we landed at on Torah is that um, we're not going to allow easy cigarettes as well. Um, and that that's kind of what I how I would answer that question is that because it is a real motorsport ban, it should carry over into, you know, e-sport motorsport or e-motorsport or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Did I just invent a term, e-motorsport? And I think I think because one 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 area where we do loosen up is obviously with uh, uh, genuine historics. I think that's pretty yeah, much genuine historics. It? There's some wiggle room there, but which which is the case in real life. So that that yeah. that's that's fine. Um, I think it's it's an interesting one. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Scott. Obviously, with your time at uh, real racing circuits in the past, obviously, you know, we know not the we know and appreciate what the UK uh, regulations are as regard as regard this. But I mean, you, it's fair to say, I think, even at club racing level, you do see some uh, interesting liveries that try to uh, make the most out of um, interesting replicas of famous liveries, including Marlborough and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen one or two single seaters competing in championships like Monoposta. In fact, believe it or not, there was even a 
um, a, a young driver racing Fiesta Juniors last year who had a livery that was inspired by a certain cigarette company or a cigarette brand that predominantly was black and gold, shall we say. Nice. Um, but obviously there was no... In fact, I think there was even a little bit of an adaptation of the logo which sort of... Well, I think it was TPS rather than JPS or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even then, you see... I mean, there's there's, there's Formula Fords that are still going around and some that come across for events like the Formula Ford Festival um, who still have their original liveries. There's a couple that have come over still with the Marlborough livery. There's also been one that's come over from Germany in the last couple of years in the festival that has had... Um, it was and it was um, it was a Gitan livery, but it was in the sort of the style of... Jumbo Havaliges had like the... The, the art the the art car style sort of livery on them in that ninety mm-hmm. sort of two ninety three yeah they had sort of they had they had a, a single seat that was in that sort of form as I say I've seen single seaters with kind of JPS style liveries um, and what have you so it's it's interesting I think it's a bit of a grey area in some cases because I think some cars do have it but others I've heard in the past that people have asked the question though the question's been asked at least once or twice about a question about if I have a livery that effectively is in this sort of style and colour scheme that looks like, for example, like a Marlborough livery that was on, on McLaren's back then, is that going to be acceptable? And, and it, it's a bit of an interesting one because some say, well, if it implies that it's something similar to a, a cigarette livery, then it's not allowed, and others seem to just do it and no one's, and without sort of saying anything and no one seems to question it too much. So... It is an interesting point, but I, I think what's also interesting is that you look at people like, you know, you, you get Lando Norris, obviously, who's been racing in uh, esports stuff, I think, and the most recent, not the one that was racing uh, at the time of, I think it was the day, be- the day before this goes out, but he was, um, yes, that's, 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 uh, you know, it was a couple of days prior to that when he was racing a Formula 3 car at, in iRacing at Road America, but the livery you had was pretty much the current McLaren livery with, with one or two sponsors off. But it did have the A Better Tomorrow logo on there, which is obviously their sort of, that's effectively British American tobacco sort of sub-brand, whatever they want to call it, in the same way which you look at uh, Philip Morris Company with Marlborough and they've got this Mission Win Now stuff, which initially people didn't buy, but now it seems as though everyone's gone, okay, well, it's not actually directly advertising cigarettes or anything, so they seem to be sort of letting it happen and not having too much requirement over it. Um so I, I think it's an interesting debate, and I think maybe some some teams are probably erring on the side of caution. Anyone that wants to think about that and gone, if it's if you can't do it in real motorsport, then maybe just to be safe, don't do it in the same motorsport. I, mean, I think I've even seen something else where I think there's a a policy I think for proper i racing championships when they get broadcast on the official channels like race spot or the i racing esports network, where they've actually said if you're taking part in a race which is being broadcast because you get people who race in iRacing all the time and they're in liveries that are mock-ups of different championship cars from uh, cars in different championships everywhere else, like single-seaters or touring cars, whatever, and they've got mimic BTCC liveries or F1s or everything else of the like. But in an, if they make a rule which says, if you're actually competing, I think iRacing has made a rule, says if you're competing in a championship which is broadcast or a race which is broadcast, like a mainstream top-level one, you can, the, the, the livery you have has to be one which has... Uh, a, a livery which effectively is approved by those who you might have sponsors on. You cannot use a livery which is a mock-up of somebody else's real-world car. You have to use a livery which has been approved and allowed by whoever yeah. it is that you're sponsoring you. So I think that if they're being stringent on that in terms of restricting what you can and can't put on a car on actual proper high-level races, then I would have thought that that 
restriction on things like tobacco and I guess to a certain extent also alcohol as well is probably also that restricted in the same place because it is in many cases you know real circuit or sim it is still motorsport so it's an interesting point but I think it's interesting yeah. um there was that there was a, a, a separate point I wanted to make if we've got quick time to do that if you just wanted to quickly follow up on that but there was one more thing I wanted to mention as well which is slightly separate to that that's all right Extra time's happening, so crack on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a point as one that I want to make. Okay, uh, I'll, 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 I'll quickly go through this one, but I want to just put mm-hmm. it to you guys. It's something I've been thinking about the last couple of days, and it, and it stems from the... For anyone that watched the, the race, and they had the, 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 most previ- the recent all-star esports battle that we had, and they had a Legends race, and they had people in there like... Uh, Paul. Well, I think Paul Trace was supposed to be in there, but he was on the exit. For people like Adrian Fernandez and Dario Franchitti and Darren Turner and Manuel Piro and Emerson Fittipaldi. And you look at some other drivers that have been competing who don't do so much racing these days, and you've got people like Juan Pablo Montoya, who's, who's also in that race as well. Um, and he proceeded at the first corner to go into the back of Emmanuel Piro's car off the start into Cops Corner and spin them both out. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, yeah, but the point I was going to make was is that I think what's going to be interesting going forwards is, you know, we have drivers that come through Formula 1 and they get to the point where they're perceived to be too old for Formula 1, although try to think Kimi Räikkönen on that because he's down to his 40s and still racing with Alfa Romeo. Um, and they move on to, and drivers usually move on to something else which is not as demanding in some cases as Formula 1. So some drivers will go to IndyCar, others will go to British touring cars or GT racing. I think this whole or, period of what's going on, or, 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 if, you, or if you're Fernando Alonso, you go straight to WEC. Yeah, exactly. Or Dakar or something else that you fancy that is random. Yeah. Um, I think what this, this whole period will do is a positive maybe for some of these older drivers is I think what it might do is it might open up opportunity for them to expand their racing career for a few more years or however long they want through becoming an esports driver. Because if you think about it in terms of these some of these drivers probably when they get into their older years and, and this is not a doubt in their fitness at all but some of them when they get to kind of their mid to late 30s early 40s they want to go into a maybe the reason why some of them go into a, an endurance championship is because they want to still race for longer but they don't want all the g-forces and all the kind of the difficulty of having to keep up with fitness as you would if you're an f1 driver to a certain extent with indycar as well and similar with touring cars as well because you kind of have to sit in there you've got a more enclosed sort of heavier car it's not as powerful so you can do that if you think about it with esports, is that you the only real amount of money you've got to spend to get yourself in there, rather than having to keep looking for funding for thousands and thousands of pounds or hundreds of thousands of dollars or however much whatever currency you know, what champion you want to go into. If you're an, if you want to get into esports, the most you kind of really some people have to spend is somewhere if they're really gonna go extreme on a sim setup, it's probably a few thousand pounds, few thousand dollars, and then it gives them the ability to still compete and race. And I think what we might see going forwards is I think we might see some of these older drivers like, for example, Juan Pablo Montoya or maybe people like who did pretty well in that race like Dario Franchitti or maybe Darren Turner or Manuel Perra who took pole for that race. I can see them during the process of this whole situation and afterwards, I can see them getting more seriously into esports racing and actually joining esports teams. I can see someone like Juan Pablo Montoya joining a team like Team Redline or Coranda Sim Sports or... Um, even ones like Williams, for example, the Williams esports team, and it gives them a chance to kind of still race and mm-hmm. kind of and still keep their hand in, but they haven't got to worry about finding tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and race in something like 
I don't know, IMSA, for example, or IndyCar, or find the money for a touring car season. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for these drivers where if they feel that their actual circuit racing career has come to an end and they're starting to retire, it could then open up the opportunity for them because a lot more are starting to discover now the whole attraction and the way of getting into esports and sim racing. This could open the door for them to think, right, well, my circuit racing career might be over, but I might be able to start now an esports or a sim racing career. And if you're a team owner, like for one of these esports teams, you're a, a, a driver of one of these esports teams, you wouldn't pass up the opportunity, would you, to have a, be in the same team as someone like Juan Pablo Montoya and only to be able to race alongside them virtually, but at the same time to be almost tutored or to learn from them in terms of how to drive. So it might even translate something if they go into a real car. Um, and it may even go the other way in terms of allowing some of these younger drivers to be able to jump in and pick up seats because some people quite wrongly say oh well some of these older drivers they take up all the seats and they don't they they can't give them to the younger drivers part of that i guess is that and most of that is probably down to that these older drivers have the bit have bigger pulling power because they've had more time in the sport to build themselves up as a brand and jason placer said it best in a feature on itv did that said for him for example it's not his fault that he's got 20 years worth of pulling power and star power as a driver that's come through the ranks and he can build up a a, a sponsor portfolio and a brand and a, a, a strategy to be able to attract the money he needs to race but it's not his fault that a younger driver can't do that when they haven't got as much experience as he does so i think it might work interesting when you've got some of these older drivers might be able to come through and continue their racing career as an esports driver and therefore keep the audiences to a certain extent focused on esports because you've got these recognizable names coming mm. through and it might help some of the younger drivers who are trying to get up there find more seats going forwards because some of the older drivers have decided for them it's much easier and simpler to just build themselves a sim and just jump into whatever sim they want um i just wondered if, if you guys had, had any thoughts on that if you agreed or disagreed or were indifferent on that one what do you think um yeah i, I suppose that's theoretically possible um I mean, you've seen the likes of Lando Norris. I mean, I know his is from kind of a Twitch perspective, but how well he's been doing in terms of numbers there. I mean, he could potentially, if Formula One um, in the future, if he left or whatever, there's a a second avenue of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not career, but kind of career in esports and all of that. And I suppose, yeah, if, if esports keeps growing at this accelerated rate, thanks to... Uh, I don't know the, the kick up the butt that we've had from this unfortunate situation we're in right now, where everyone's suddenly taking notice. I, I don't see any reason why it might not become a, a viable extension to a career or even the beginning of a career. As a, a lot of us have said recently that esports mm-hmm. could become a similar kind of um, entry route to motorsport like karting. It won't ever replace karting, but. I don't see why it couldn't be either the foundation of or the extension of a real, a real quote unquote racing career. Yeah, absolutely. All I'm going to say on the matter, uh, Frank Beeler has done extremely well in iRacing. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 and over to Ben. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, just quickly so that we don't go too long and we don't get in the angry email. Um, we probably wouldn't give him the angry email. Let's be fair. Be um, be yeah, something I saw on the collective was that there was a question about um, does this mean we can have F1 at Lime Rock or WEC at the Nord Slide or something along those lines? Um, the thing about esports is that it is very open that you can do 
pretty much you you have some you're open up to a lot of options um you can stick to your real world counterpart racing but you can also do something a little bit more interesting and that's something that we've done at torah for years is that um we were as real as it gets but we also do stuff like um most of our thursday night series that isn't necessarily based on a championship that's existed in the world um but it's still you know a fun event to Mm -hmm. take part in um and when it comes to like well those particular two examples that i mentioned f1 at lime rock if you if you're looking thinking about it in real life and thinking but why would you do that then i would say the same would apply to esports yeah to e-motorsports if i'm going to keep using the term that came up with like five minutes ago um I think the same thing would apply is that just because you can do that doesn't necessarily mean that you should do that. (laughs) Um, Just because, like, the the Norwich Life is famous for having crashes for GT cars. Um, Imagine something at the speed of a prototype having an incident at the Norwich Life, even if it is just esports, where you can, if I'm going to borrow the e NASCAR term where you can just press the reset button and go back out and try again okay so very very quickly then let's quickly go around the room as quickly as possibly can yeah you you get to pick one car that you would like to see race at sorry one car one vehicle i shall say that you'd like to see race at a circuit in sim racing that you couldn't do in real life okay ben you couldn't do in real life yeah um, you should have given us some warning on this, jeez. Yeah, um, you should have. Get... <laughs> I'm giving. I'm giving you two more time. Or would you like me to go first? Because mine isn't even. The you go, go ahead first. and go first. Right. Come okay. to me last because I, okay. I got a couple. MotoGP, Cadwell Park. Oh, <laughs> yes, love that. Jordan, um, I'm going to go with IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Um, surprise, surprise. I would say maybe like returning to brands or something, but you could probably do that in real life. So I'd, I'd say IndyCar, I can't say the Nordschleife either, really. Um, oh, what the hell, yeah. IndyCar at the Nordschleife. Fair enough. Scott? Um, I took a moment to think about this, but I thought of quite a doozy, I think. What about NASCAR? I was going to say at some kind of a street circuit, but then I, I know there's been talk about Surface Paradise being a possible option for uh, talk about Brit taking NASCAR to surface paradise. Mm. But I thought, what about for a street circuit for a real challenge? What about NASCAR at Monaco? <laughs> yes, that would be hilarious. Oh, I love that uh, idea. At least they'd be turning left at the hairpin. And they're coming up to the hairpin, and the car has gone sideways and blocked the entire track. <laughs> yeah, and, they've, and they've stopped. And that's a yellow flag. And finally, I mean, just think of the think of the, the steering <laughs> rack you'd have to put on a, a stock car to be able to get round Malo's head. They'd have to do donuts around it. That's, have a, that's a burnout situation. Right <laughs> yeah, very very good. Yeah. See, before Scott said that, I was going to say this: take a NASCAR stock car to Lamar. But that's just simply, objectively, a better answer. So I'm not going to say that. And we've all, um, and, we've, and, we've, all and we've already done it. So yeah, fun yeah, fact. Yeah. Back, in the, back in the 70s, it was done once. They did invite some NASCARs over in the 70s. They did, and it was mm. a bit of a disaster because their mm. fuel tanks yeah. weren't big. So so I'm going to say cool. supercars, mm. not the V8. The supercars, supercars <laughs> at something like Mid Ohio or more sports. Like it. 
good oh, choice. Oh, that'd be wicked. Very Either good. of those would be great. Very, yeah. very good. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have gone over. Apologies to everyone behind the radio and one, but we have covered some really interesting, and more importantly, we've had some real, genuine, proper debate on this because I think it's safe to say sim racing is likely here to stay, and it's only going to get bigger. Any questions you want to throw our way for us to discuss in future shows, please do so either on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective, or you can tweet us at the real underscore Torah because that's the first time I've tripped up on it for quite some time. Uh, I've been Matt Hunter. Ben has been a guest for a change this year. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, ha- Jordan has been Jordan, uh, and incredibly insightful. And it's been an absolute pleasure and privilege to have Mr. Scott Woodwiss back uh, on our lovely channel uh, for the Thank first time in some quite long time. Thank you ever so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we will see, well, I won't see you next week. Ben and Lewis will return uh, to uh, look after you next week, and then Jordan and I will be back the following week. I think we've got a guest planned. I'm going to have to check. Anyway. I didn't know we have a guest planned for next week. You do, indeed. I'm not quite sure who it is yet, because it it was Lewis' turn to pick the guests, so... This could get interesting. Hopefully we don't end up with, like, an alligator or something. This could, this could get really interesting. <laughs> and on that alligator, it's time to end. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.